Please do turn with me to the Gospel of John and the 12th chapter. John chapter 12 and we'll read the first eight verses. John chapter 12, I commence reading uh, from verse 1, uh, from the English Standard Version. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha saved, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with, with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nerd and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having a charge of the money bag he used to help himself to, what, what, to whatever was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. We end our reading there. We are back in our series of uh, messages in the book of John. And this morning we begin the 12th chapter uh, of the book of John. And we see in this 12th chapter, the Lord Jesus Christ as he relates uh, to four different groups of people. And each of these group of people as he relates to them, there are some lessons that are recorded for us for our learning. Our passage this morning, the one we'll be studying, what we see in our passage in the actions of Mary is a great demonstration or a great devotion demonstrated. Mary demonstrates to us, as recorded by John, her great devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now John records for us that Jesus, just before the Passover, decides to go visit Bethany. Our Lord Jesus Christ knew that the Jewish leaders wanted to arrest him. Remember when we ended chapter, chapter 11, that the intensity was growing and the resolve was made that Jesus was to be arrested and put to death. But he still returned to Bethany, which was a short distance from the very citadel of his enemies, Jerusalem. And in that visit, something happens, and what happens there catches the attention of the author, John, and depends it for our learning. 
John is not so much taken by the presence of Lazarus who was dead and brought back to life, but rather he wants to move our attention to the action of Mary, the sister of Lazarus. The account of Mary's anointing Jesus is also found in Matthew chapter 26, verse 6 through to verse 13, and then it's also found in Mark chapter 14, verse 3 to verse 9. When you read those accounts in Mark and in Matthew and the account in John chapter 12, it must not be confused with the account given in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through to verse 50. In Luke chapter 7, 36 through to verse 50, we have an account recorded by, by Luke where a former harlot or a prostitute, a former prostitute anointed Jesus in the house of Simon the Pharisee. Mary, as John mentions her by name, was not the same woman as the one recorded in Luke chapter 7. She was a different, she's a different person to that woman in Luke. And Mark tells us that in chapter 14, that this woman who anointed Jesus, who John names and refers to as Mary, that she did that in the house of Simon, who was a leper. So the account in Luke 7 is Simon, the Pharisee. The account in Mark and in Matthew, as well as would like to believe in John 12, was in Simon, the leper. Those two are different individuals. The Luke 7 account took place in Galilee while the account we are considering was in Judea or in Bethany which was in the region of Judea. And so when you read Matthew, Mark and John and you combine these accounts, you learn that Mary anointed the head and the feet of Jesus. While John specifically records for us that she anointed the feet of Jesus. And so what we see here is that it was an act of pure love on the part of Mary. It was an act of pure devotion. It was an act to signify to those present and to all of us that she knew what her Lord was about to endure. Her Lord was about to suffer and to suffer unto death. And so she saw it as an opportunity to show her great devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ before it was too late. And so we learn and we see this great demonstration of her devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we open up these first three verses, the question we really need to ask, or the question you need to ask yourself this morning, is my life a demonstration of my great devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is 
is my life a great demonstration of my personal devotion to he who I call the savior of my life. And if this is not true of you, it means you've never come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in a real experiential way where your sins are forgiven and you see all the things of this world, including your life, as nothing in comparison to the worth and the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's your case, Christ is still calling you to believe in him for the forgiveness of your sin. So let's open up those verses and in particular just verse 3. The first thing I'd like to us to see is that our great devotion is demonstrated in the sacrifice or the sacrifices we are willing to take for our Lord Jesus Christ. Our, demo, our great devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ is demonstrated in the sacrifices of life we are willing to make for him. Verse 3 and the first part of it. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nerd. She took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nerd. Her act was one of sacrifice. It was sacrificial. And John records that she took a pound of expensive ointment and it was pure nerd. And this ointment was valued at 300 denarii according to the calculation of Judas Iscariot. And this was equivalent to one year's wage of most of the workers at that time. And so this this pure nerd, this ointment, was produced from a, a rare plant that grew in the highlands of the region of India. And so for it to make its way from those regions to the, the Jerusalem, Judea area, it became expensive. It was expensive. It was rare. It was very expensive, and it is believed that most people would save up their life earnings or life savings so that they are able to provide this ointment and store it somewhere so that it could be used for their own funeral preparations. And John records for us, and he wants us to see that this was an act of great sacrifice on part of Mary. 
And in John recording for us also wants us to appreciate the, the customs of the day. The ancient customs near east. And in doing that, most likely that's what was in the mind of Mary. The first is that in, in breaking the box, as Mark records in Mark 14, where she took the alabaster box and broke it, there was a custom in the ancient, in the eastern, uh, in the ancient east, there was a custom that when a distinguished person visited your home and the plate or the, the glass that was used during a meal time, after a meal, they had to break the glass or the glasses. And this was done so that they would prevent a lesser distinguished person from using them. So it was like they, they were very honored that such a distinguished person would be in their home and would dine with them. And one way to preserve the memories and one way to show respect according to the ancient customs in the East was that they had to break what was used and scatter the rubble or the, that which was broken or that which they break so that no lesser distinguished person will use it. This could have been in the mind of Mary. But also, it was a custom to do with burial rituals. After the body of the deceased had been washed and anointed, they would take a box or a bottle of ointment or perfume and they would break it and then they would scatter the content in the grave. And so the embalming spices would be broken and it would give that fragrance within the tomb. And you, 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 you notice when you read the account after Jesus was buried, the women went to the tomb to anoint the, the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was a custom in those days. So they would get these perfumes. And depending on their economic status, these fragrance would vary, would vary. And so here we see that Mary showed her devotion to her Lord Jesus Christ in the sacrifice she was willing to make. This sacrifice was uh, the ultimate expression of her love and it was an act of worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in so doing, she was making a statement and the statement she was making is about the value of the Lord Jesus Christ to her. The statement she was making is that this person is more valuable than anything that I have, anything that I possess. She more is more valuable to me. She was saying, Christ 
meant to her more than anything in this world. And so she sacrificed this treasure that she had. We don't know how long she had, but looking at the custom of the days, people would buy these things whenever they had money, or they would save up so that they would store it in their home in case, so that when the time of their death came, they would just bring those spices, rather those fragrances or those uh, perfumes, and they would use them uh, as a burial rite for themselves or for their body. So we don't know how long she saved up to buy. But one thing we see as John records, it was a pound of expensive ointment and, uh, and Judas made the calculations for us, equivalent to the wages of someone for a year. But what we see was a sacrifice. And really the question we need to ask, have you, if you say you are a Christian, have you placed everything about you on the altar for Christ? Have you brought yourself everything about you and you bring it to the altar for him who loved you with an everlasting life, love? Have you given to him and have you not held back anything about you and you said to him, I am yours, use me as you please. Or are you still negotiating with the Lord Jesus Christ that he can have 90% of your life and then 10% let it be under your control? True Christianity is sacrificing yourself, your life to the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's bringing yourself and giving yourself for the glory of him who saved you from your sins. It's bringing yourself to him and saying to him, use me as you, as you please, break me. And yes, until you've conquered my heart, and I'm able to say, you are more than anything in this world to me. A lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. This is what salvation does. When salvation comes into someone's life, they begin to see Christ in a different light. They begin to see him as a lily of the valley, the fairest of 10,000 to your soul, and they are ready to give up everything, to sacrifice everything for his cause, for his name, for his glory. The moment you find yourself struggling, with saying to yourself, let Christ have my all and all. 
it's a clear sign that salvation has not come to you. A true Christian shows their devotion in the sacrifices they make for Christ. One of those chief sacrifices is to give up your sin. Those darling sins of yours, you give them up. Say, Christ, I'm coming to you. In you alone is my hope, my life, my strength. You see, that our great devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ is demonstrated in the sacrifices you are willing to make for him. But secondly, we see that our great devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ is demonstrated in the actions you are willing to take for him. In the actions you are willing to take. The second half of verse 3. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure net and anointed the feet of Jesus. And anointed the feet of Jesus. The actions of Mary took center stage at this dinner John wants us to focus our mind not so much on the presence of Lazarus who was raised from the dead, but to focus our mind on the action of the sister of Lazarus, Mary. And it's recorded in Mark, Matthew, and in John for us that each time we bring our minds to this text and and read it, we imagine the situation, how it was like. How that most of us would have been thrilled with the stories that Lazarus would have been telling. Would have, been, would have wanted to inquire what it was like when he had died. What was, what was going on. But John wants us to focus our mind on the devotion, the devotion demonstrated by the actions of Mary. She anointed the feet of Jesus Christ. Why did, she, why did Mary do this? Was she trying to excite the people who had gathered for the feast? Was she trying to show off? What was she communicating? What is she communicating? What is it that we must learn from her actions? Her actions, or her action, was a statement about her commitment to Jesus Christ. Her commitment to Jesus Christ. When she broke the box and poured out the content of 
the books. She was saying there was no going back. Because once you pour out the content, the perfume content or liquid out of the bottle, there's no way of gathering it and putting it back. And she was basically saying there's no way going back. The entire contents of the vessel will be poured on my Lord. I will use it for my God. And she's making a statement about our commitment, which was comprehensive, which was absolute, which was complete. And she's saying, all that I have, I'm bringing it to him. She makes that commitment, that statement about her commitment. But her action also shows us that she was making a statement about the value of her possessions. She was making a statement about the value of her possessions. To Mary, nothing in the world was as valuable as her Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing was as valuable to her as Jesus Christ. She loved him. She loved him more than the things of the world, than the things she possessed. In those days, it was a common practice that when a guest came to your home, they would, you, you would get a bit of perfume or any fragrance in the house and pour a bit or a, drop a bit of it on the, on, the, on the visitor. But in this case, it's, she doesn't just get a bit. She pours everything to her God. She honors her God not just by a drop of that expensive ointment, but she broke the alabaster box and poured out everything on the one she loved dearly. But also her actions our action was a statement about the worthiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. The worthiness of the Lord Jesus Christ and the need to worship and to save him. She was showing that he is worthy of all and even much more. He's worthy much more than this thing that I contain, than this expensive ointment. He is much more than anything that I can offer him. He's worthy of my worship, and I must save him. She responded in thankfulness of heart. Because Jesus was a redeemer. She was grateful for what Christ had come to mean to her and to the rest of the family. And she shows 
how worthy and even much more Christ is. She was overwhelmed with love for him that she was willing and willingly gave up all she had in an act of selfless worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. But also she understood something. This man is a promised redeemer, the savior of the world, and that was going to die for sinners. She grasped the truth that the disciples failed to grasp. As far as she knew, this would be the last time she would have this opportunity to save him in such a way, to honor him in such a way. She seized the opportunity and made it count for the glory of God. Her actions show her commitment how she valued the things of this world in comparison to the Lord Jesus Christ. And she shows us how worthy of her worship Christ is. And in this action of Mary, we see her great devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do your actions demonstrate your great devotion to God? Look at your life in light of Mary's statement of faith. Are you totally committed to the Lord Jesus Christ? To his love? To his worship? Do your actions show that you are willing to save him? Do your actions show that everything about you is lived and done in view of what Christ has done for you? Is Jesus more valuable to you and anything you possess, anything you own. Are you willing to give up all for his sake? Can the world out there lost in sin, can they see in your actions an expression of your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Or to you, you simply love Christ between 10 hours and 12 hours on Sunday, and that's it. When you come to church carrying your Bible, and everyone who is able to see that, yes, they are going to church, but the rest of the week, none of your actions show or demonstrate your great devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you love him when it fits within your schedule? Do you show your love for your God 
when it's convenient to you. Or is your life a demonstration of your great devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ? A story is told from the Middle East of four brothers who decided to have a feast as wine was rather expensive, they, all, they concluded that each should bring an equal quantity or amount and add it to the common supply. So if you bring your own and then you put it together so that there will be wine at the feast. However, one of the brothers, thinking to escape the expense of such a contribution decided to bring water. And he said to himself, it won't be noticed. He reasoned. But at the feast, when the wine was poured out, it was discovered that it wasn't wine but water. So what had happened was that each of the four brothers had thought alike and decided to bring water, thinking that the other will bring wine, but they all ended up bringing water. So at the end of it, none remained faithful to their commitment. None was willing to sacrifice. Everyone was expecting the other to do so. This is how most Christians behave. You are always thinking of others and not saying to yourself, what is it that God has given me? What gifts has God endowed in me that I must use in his kingdom? I must not look for the others. I must demonstrate my devotion with what I have, begin from where I am, and save my God. I should not wait for the other person. I should not look to the other person. I should say, as it depends on me, I will do what I can and I will demonstrate to the world, dying in sin, that Jesus means more than anything to me. And I'm willing to lose out on the things of the world. I'm willing to, to miss a football match. I'm willing to miss whatever is there for the sake of be showing devotion to my God and being in the presence where the name of my God is worshipped. And I'm willing to do it not just once, but every day, every week, till he calls me home. So we see that our devotion is demonstrated in the actions we take for our God. And thirdly, our great devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ is demonstrated in the humility we are willing to undergo for the sake of Christ. It is demonstrated in the humility we are willing to undergo 
for the sake of Christ. The last part of verse 3. Let's read all of it. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nerd and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. She wiped his feet with her hair. In Christ's days, it, it is said people would not, would not sit on the dining table. They always sit on the raised dining tables. They are, the, the, the tables were low. And so people reclining around the table at mealtime, their heads would be typically would be nearer to the table where they were eating from, and then they would extend their legs away from the table where they were sitting. They would not sit on the, the, the usual or the custom dining tables that we do have. They would sit on something like what we would refer to as a, as a coffee table, those low tables that we do have in our homes. And so this would mean that anyone who was walking to a person who was feasting or eating at such a table would be considered to be taller than the person sitting or would be higher than the person that was sitting at the dining table. And so when John records for us that she wiped his feet with her hair, John is demonstrating that for Mary... To do this, she needed to really go down and lower herself, lower than where the Lord Jesus Christ was seated, in order for her to anoint his, and rather to wipe his feet. It meant that she was in a kneeling posture or position near Jesus Christ. And in this one moment, Mary was making a great statement about humility before Christ. And now that she had surrendered everything to Christ, she was kneeling to him, anointing him, and she was declaring her faith in Christ, and then she was wiping his feet with her hair. It's a picture of humility before Christ. She was telling everyone who was there, my faith in Christ has made me to realize the value of this person. And I'm willing to be as low as I can be before him, even if it means simply wiping his feet. Her act of love and worship was a statement of what she believed concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. In those days, there were four classes of people that were anointed. It would be kings, priests, prophets, and the dead. Kings, priests, 
prophets and the dead. And as Mary anoints the feet of Christ and wipes with her hair, she was saying, he's all these things. He's my king, he's my priest, he's my prophet, and very soon he will die for my sins. She was making a statement about her value to herself, that Christ was more And the act of humility is also seen in our actions. Two things to prove this truth. Firstly, the custom of the day was that only prostitutes would allow their hair to be loose in public. Decent women would tie their hair or cover it with a veil. But we are told that she wiped the feet of Christ with her hair. Giving this picture that she must have let it loose. She didn't care whether people would think of her as a prostitute or as a loose woman. She was willing to express her humility before Christ. But the other thing is that only slaves were allowed to wash the feet or visitors. When you visited someone's home, the, 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 the host or the owner of the house will provide you with some water and you go and wash your feet yourself. But if it was a well-to-do family and they had slaves or they had servants, <coughs> they would ask the servants to wash the feet of the guests. Now, in this context, Mary assumes the position of, a sa- of slaves, of servants, and was willing to wash the feet of the guests in that house. And that one particular distinguished guest was the Lord Jesus Christ. But also, as if that is not enough, the Bible records that she uses her hair to wipe the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 15, we are told there that a, a woman's hair is a glory. And so in this picture, or in this scenario, the picture is this. She gets that which is her glory, her crown, and uses it on the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And from the human standpoint or perspective, the feet of Christ represented the lowest and the dirtiest part of, the, of, the, of Christ's human body. He would, use, he would use his feet to walk in the streets of Judea, the streets of Bethany. And now here we see that she uses her glory, her hair, to wipe the dirtiest part of the Lord Jesus Christ, humanly speaking. And they are showing us this act of humility, that everything about me, even that which I deem as my glory, my crown, is nothing compared even to the dirtiest part of the human body of Christ. Think of it this way. You do not use your clean, white Sunday shirt or the shirt you want to wear on Sunday to clean your your shoes. Because your shirt, that clean shirt of yours or that clean dress of yours is held in high regard in comparison to your shoes. 
So your dress or your shirt is honorable in that sense. The cloth you used to clean your shoes would be seen in lesser light or value compared to your shoes that you want to clean. That which we use to wipe and clean our shoes is on the lower level than our shoes. Yet this is what Mary is doing. He's saying, this hair which is my glory, my crown, is nothing in comparison even to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she was willing to use it to wipe the feet of Christ. And she was able to show this act of humility before the guests, before everyone, and it is recorded for us. They say actions speaks louder than words. And we see in Mary's actions. She expresses humility before Christ. And she views Christ deeply as one who left the realms of heaven and died for your sins and my sins. Her generosity, her humility flowed from her deep and growing understanding of who the Lord Jesus Christ was. And she did not even count her action to be equal to anything that Christ is. And this is what is true when a person becomes a Christian. You, the spirit of humility comes in. Why? Because you begin to see yourself in view of what Christ has done. You begin to view others in view of what Christ has done for them. You don't consider yourself higher and, and greater than those in the kingdom of God. You begin to see yourself as a servant to your brothers and sisters. And in the next chapter of John 13, again the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrates this by washing the feet of his disciples. And he tells them to do the same for one another. You see here, when you look at yourself in view of the one who dies for your sins, when you see yourself in view of the one who left the realms of heaven, who knew no sin and came into this world and pursued you and found you in the stupors of your sins and reached out to you and washed you by his blood and gave you a name, his name, and is guarding you, he's guarding you, and he's given you his spirit as a seal to show that you are his. And every day is interceding for you. Surely there will be no service in the Lord's house that will be deemed as low or beneath you. Anything that the Lord brings your way, you will do it with joy. Why? Because it's a demonstration of your love for him who died for your sins. 
No service for Christ will be deemed as beneath you, beneath your worth, beneath your value. Why? Because Christ died for you and he saved you from your sins. Let your life be a demonstration of your humility to him. And if you're not a Christian, have you surrendered yourself to Christ? Have you been brought to a point where you, you look at Christ beyond the grave, beyond the cross, and you see him as one seated on the throne, the King of kings, and the soon coming Savior? Have you reached that point where you kneel in humble surrender to him? Is he your all in all? Is he your savior? Think about his life. He left heaven for you to pursue you to demonstrate his love for you. Why continue in sin when he's calling you to believe in him? How do you demonstrate your devotion to God? Do you treat the worship of him as optional? Do you feel that once a week of worship to God is an act of great devotion to him? Do you feel that by putting a few quatchers in the offering bag, God must even be grateful that you did that? How do you demonstrate your great devotion to your God? May you evaluate your devotion to your God in view of what Mary demonstrates for us in this passage. She demonstrates to us a sacrifice for her God her actions for her God and her humility before her God. Is this true of you who say you are a Christian? Can your life be deemed as a great devotion to your God? Or you are still trying to balance this side, the world, and God? Are you still trying to have a control of your life and not give God everything, 100% of your life? 
Are you still trying to retain a 2% of your life where you can do as you please and do things on your schedule, do things on your timing? Are you still trying to reason and negotiate with he who died for your sins that if he can only allow you just once a week to do what you want and not what he wants? Are you still being charmed by the delights of this world? And not things that are higher, no things that are nobler. May Mary's life, recorded for us by John, be a rebuke but also an encouragement to all of us who say we are Christians, that we may surrender all to Christ and be willing to live our lives as a demonstration of our great devotion to our great Savior. Even as we sing in closing, that hymn that we know, take my life and let it be, that the Lord will cause us to mean every word. Take my life and let it be, consecrated Lord to thee take my moments and my days Lord let them flow with ceaseless praise take my will Lord my Lord I pour myself at thy feet it's treasure store Lord I don't even know now what to say Lord take everything about me and let it be your treasure. Oh, that this may be true of each one of us. And that as we go into this week, the world may see a great demonstration of our great devotion to our great Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.